spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin Review, made by the fans for the fans. Cajun Nation, happy Friday. Welcome in to Rage and Review. Matt Miguez here. We're looking forward to the kickoff between Arkansas State and Louisiana Saturday at 11 a.m. Uh, hopefully, you play this episode to take your mind away from the, 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 the circus act that this election has, has been. Uh, we are joined today by a very, very, very special guest co-host uh jerry a bear joining me jerry welcome back bud it's been a while it's been a while um it's good to be back here with you matt uh, i'm glad to come in and talk some cajun sports yeah i, I, I wasn't mean, too far away but no you 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 were always you you were behind the scenes yeah you, you were you were behind the still scenes. am still am good so, to yeah. good to have you back on the mic though um appreciate you having me my friend cajun nation as always Cajuns will play Arkansas State tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. on ESPNU. Uh, beautiful, beautiful weather for this football game. I want to say the kickoff. Um, your high is going to be, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be 75. Winds out of the east at 6 miles an hour, 16% chance of rain. Um, by the end of the game, you're probably looking at temperatures closer to 80. Um, might warm up just a little bit. Bring a jacket with you. For for kickoff and then you know you'll take probably it off. you'll probably take it off the by the third quarter, quarter. <laughs> um, but you know with with the with the little bit of the wind kickoff might be a might be a chilly one, but um, yeah you know th- this game's always been fun it's always been a rivalry um, it's always usually it's usually the battle for the Sun Belt West uh, this year not the case due to early struggles for Arkansas State granted it's a game the Cajuns need to win. If if you want to claim the West, but I I don't think this game will make or break you like it used to. Yeah, I, I think I, I think the, the the thing to be concerned about is that they are a rival. Um, and and no, for sure, pretty much it's like ULM, right? Doesn't matter the record, all of that goes out the window when you face a team or a foe like Arkansas State. I mean, look. We've been playing Arkansas State for decades. We know them. They know us. And so I think this is going to be one of those matchups that even though the Cajuns should win, I would not be surprised if it's close throughout the game. 100%. You know, we sat down with Kara Ritchie from from Jonesboro, and, you know, one thing she mentioned that hasn't really been talked about, um, and obviously she'll go into it a little bit more during during the interview after, you know, in our in our second segment, Jonathan Adams Jr. is currently listed as questionable for tomorrow. <laughs> That'll that's huge. He uh, he had an that's off the, he had an off the field incident earlier this week, and uh, as as Kara describes it, like I said later in the interview, it's a coin flip whether he's going to play or not tomorrow for the Red Wolves. So uh, definitely something to keep your eye on for the contest tomorrow because that's that's a huge blow. I mean, he, he's Arkansas State's leading receiver. He's their leading receiver in all seven seven hundred yards already on the year. But he's also a leading receiver that's been surprisingly underperforming these past few weeks. And um, I know their their offense is looking to get back on track. But when you lose someone like that, that's right. such a huge asset to your to your offensive scheme. 
I mean, <laughs> seven seven hundred thirty seven yards and eight touchdowns on the season. I mean, as a Cajuns fan, if he doesn't play tomorrow, I'm licking my chops right yeah, now. Yeah, that's great. That's that's great. That's enormous to lose someone like that, especially considering the fact that, like we said, their offense hasn't really found their identity these past two weeks. And so right now, I mean, I'm sure the Cajun defense, I'm sure Coach Patrick Tony is sniffing blood in the water. Um, For sure. So, I mean, whew, that's yeah, that's big. That's really big. The line currently sits at UL minus 14 and a half. I could see that. With the over-under sitting at 68. I could see that. I mean, I, I, I'll give my prediction t- later, but I, I could see it. You know, two touchdowns yeah. is about right, considering the fact that, you know, the Cajuns are coming off two big wins on the road, and Arkansas State is have, has they're, had some they're on pretty— a They're on a two-game losing streak right With now. some pretty big losses with some pretty big margins. Yeah. For sure. More than what we expect out of an Arkansas State team. No, absolutely. We'll step away from football for a second, and we'll transition to the real football. Soccer. Football. Yeah, soccer. Football. They're over in Foley, Alabama for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament right now. Big win on Wednesday over Coastal Carolina, 3 to nothing. Uh, The Cajuns are the two-seed in the tournament. How about that? Impressive, huh? How about that? Wow. Today at 4 p.m., they will take on the defending champion, South Alabama Jaguars in the semifinals. Um, that'll be a fun one. That one's on ESPN+. Plus. Um, interesting little tie here. Uh, Josh Brunner, our, our S, one of our SIDs here at Louisiana, his little sister plays soccer at South Alabama. Hmm. So... All in the family. Interesting, uh. interesting little tie there for the for the semifinal matchup today. As always, you can catch the soccer matchups on ESPN Plus. Volleyball is getting ready to head to their conference tournament. Get this came out on the volleyball Twitter page about an hour ago. Hannah Ramirez is currently leading the nation in digs. Wow, three hundred and thirty-five on the year. That's impressive. She needs to use that. And she has had double. She needs figures. to use that going into uh, the tournament right now. <laughs> and she has had double figures in all nineteen of their matches. Wow. So very, very impressive numbers from them. You know, they've definitely been off to a uh, to a great start. They've had a great year this year. Uh, I know they're in Arlington today. Uh, First game is at 11, and then, of course, they play again tonight at 6. But, you know, getting ready for the conference tournament, they definitely they definitely look to be on the right track to uh, to make some noise and maybe go to the NCAA tournament for the first time in I don't even really know how long. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's definitely been a while. Um, so definitely some interesting things happening here on campus at Louisiana. Like I said, football 11 a.m. tomorrow. On ESPNU, Dave Neal and DJ Shockley, former quarterback at the University of Georgia, will have the call for that one. You know, I, I, thoughts on Arkansas State at first glance. You know, their their passing attack is dangerous with Jay Adams and Dahu Green and and Brandon Bowling. Um, which, by the way, interesting that his last name's Bowling because kid's like a little bowling ball. He's a uh, he's a grinder, man. You know he's a he, he's not he's not the biggest guy. He lines up in the slot, but uh, you know Kara gets into a little more detail on him. But yeah, he he's gritty. He'll lower his shoulder with with anybody. Um, and you know I I like that in a player. I think he's a guy that that can cause a lot of issues. 
for us defensively. And, you know, talking about Arkansas State, looking at their defense, I mean, it's been a struggle. You know, they're giving up close to 500 yards and 40 points a game. Um, so definitely something that the Cajuns need to take advantage of in order to find success tomorrow at home against a Sunbelt West rival. Um, so definitely definitely something to look forward to there. Like I said, weather should be beautiful. Fan cutouts that have been ordered are in place at Cajun Field. Nice. Humans and animals. About time. Uh, love, loving it. We could have a... Could have a packed house at Cajun Field tomorrow, which uh, you know that that's always always a good thing. Sure, um, Jerry, I know you're going to be at the game tomorrow. What what are you kind of expecting from a from a crowd standpoint? Um, I mean, look it, it, for what what the the tickets are allotted. It seems like the fans have shown up so far. I mean, I think it's like sixty five hundred tickets or something like that, or six thousand tickets, and it looks like even for coastal. I mean, every seat for the tickets that were allotted were filled. Yeah. Um, I know there's a little bit of a demand for tickets right now for obvious reasons, considering the fact that even though the Cajuns dropped out of the top 25 recently, they're right on the doorstep of the top 25 again. So, it's a, I mean, we're a top 30 team. We're the highest ranked team in the state of Louisiana right now. Uh, so with that type of success comes a demand. Yeah. Um, so I expect a good atmosphere. I expect nice, perfect fall football weather followed up with some good football. So I'm excited about that. Uh, one thing I will say, I do like with the social distancing that I can spread out a little bit more in the seat, right? Right. Don't get me wrong. I love a packed stadium, but there is a catch-22 in the fact that you're like a oh, sardine. For, for sure. So I do like to be spread out a little bit. But with that said, I do think that the crowd should be, for what, what we're given, should be good. Um, and the atmosphere should be great. So um, I, I'm looking forward to it. I... I'm not a big fan of 11 o'clock kickoffs, but... In the fall, it's not bad. It's not as bad. Yeah. It's not bad in the and, fall. Uh, so August 31st, 11 a.m. kickoffs. It's hot. That's a problem. It's a scorcher. Yeah, That's we, a problem. We've been through that before. Yeah, but, Bo- Boise uh, State. <laughs> it was horrible. Um, and on top of that, the game wasn't much better. Right. I was, I was about to say, the, <laughs> game, was, the, the game was almost worse. That's just the bonus. So, um, yeah, it should be a good atmosphere tomorrow. I'm very excited. Yeah, for sure. We'll take a break. And when we come back after a message from our sponsors... We will sit down with Kara Ritchie, host of the Workday Red Zone on 95.3, the ticket in Jonesboro for a behind enemy line segment on the Arkansas State Red Wolf. We'll have that and more right here on Razor Interview. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Ragin' Review Podcast. 
This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Acadiana business owners, are you looking for custom solutions from local professionals that understand your business needs? Maybe you're looking to streamline your processes, become more efficient, and achieve elevated peace of mind? Utilizing and combined 30 years of experience in the financial and technology fields, the Vaulted Security Team is ready to assist you with reaching your goals. From credit card processing, internet and phone services, website hosting and design, to hosted cloud, even digital marketing and recovery software, Vaulted Security can do it all. Here's a message from Solutions Specialist, Anna Bourgeois. Hi, I'm Anna Bourgeois, your Solutions Specialist, and it's my goal to understand how we can make your business run more efficiently while increasing profits. I'm very passionate about doing business genuinely. In the merchant services industry and other business areas, it's hard to find a partner that you can trust without question. I'm here to change that perception. Give me a chance to show you what true partnership is all about. Contact Anna today at 337-210-4272 or email Anna at Vaulted Security. Welcome back to Region Review. Matt Miguez here. Jerry Abair sits across from me. Oh, it's good to be back. Man, it, it, like, it's been a while. It's been a little while, but it's nice to be sitting alongside with you, my friend. As always. And we are joined today. We're going to do our Behind Enemy Line segment. We are joined today by, I want to make sure I get the radio show right, host of the Workday Red Zone on 93.5 The Ticket in Jonesboro, Arkansas, Miss Kara Ritchie. Kara, good morning. How are you? And thank you for joining us on this beautiful Friday morning. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Uh, just a quick note, it's 95.3. Um, so did I say that did wrong? Wanna, I think maybe you just, you you said 93.5. Okay. Um, I I transpose numbers in my head all the time. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah I, I'm, I'm famous for doing it as well. So, uh, so I, I totally get it. 95.3, the ticket in Jonesboro is, is where I'm at. And you've been, you've been there for a while, haven't you? You know, I, I think, have you been up there, what, seven years now? Yeah, that's correct. Actually, I think back in August, celebrated my seventh year anniversary um, at East Arkansas Broadcasters in 95.3, the ticket. So for some reason, they continue to pay me. So as long as they do that, I'm definitely going to keep showing up. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there, there's no, there's no reason not to, right? Yeah, I suckered somebody into paying me to talk about football like ten months out of the year. It's amazing. Yeah, no, that you can't you can't beat that. You know, no. your name rings well with a lot of Cajun fans because um, over the years, you know, you've developed a a close friendship with the man, the myth, the legend that is Jay Walker. Um, and you know, kind of talk about how you guys became so close and how. 
much you've enjoyed being able to cover Arkansas State, especially when the Cajuns and the Red Wolves get together? Yes. Well, a quick note on Jay, first off. I, I don't know how long Jay has been in broadcasting, but long enough that I know he's probably forgotten more about radio than I will ever know. Uh, but when I first got started, even from the first time I ever talked to Jay, like the very first interview, he treated me with respect, far more respect than I deserved uh, at the time. And he treated me like, like I was already a colleague, like I was already, you know, somebody who is a professional and somebody who is established in radio, even though I had no idea what I was doing. So the fact that he gave me that respect right out of the gate was absolutely incredible because you don't get that from everybody. So from the get-go, Jay was very, very, very good to me. And then uh, not too long after we had gone back and forth with interviews and things like that, I, I warmed up and asked him for a gumbo recipe and he delivered. And so that's really the way to my heart is through food. So we've been really good friends uh, ever since, and, and Jay Walker is just absolutely phenomenal. I cannot think of a better advocate for, you know, all things Cajun, whether it's his people or it's food or obviously it's, it's athletic teams. Jay is the man. Um, as far as his rivalry, it is, I mean, this is the rivalry uh, right now for, you know, the Sun Belt in the West, and it is the, the best active rivalry for Arkansas State. Um, you know, the most played series for A-State in program history is against Memphis, but that one is, was kind of hit or miss for a little bit, and now Memphis thinks they're all big and bad because they're in the power six or whatever the AAC continually tries to call themselves. But, you know, A-State and Occasions had this good battle. Um, the, the Sun Belt title for a long time went through either Jonesboro or Lafayette, and now the Sun Belt West Division crown, you know, is going to be decided by those two teams. And even though obviously the Cajuns have had the edge as of late, you always feel like this is the game that that division title is going to hinge on. Also, you know, I think these fan bases respect each other, but I also don't necessarily think these teams really like each other. And we've seen some really heated moments uh, in this series throughout the year. And hey, that, that makes it fun. Yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely a love-hate relationship. Um, you know, I, I can say as a as a diehard, lifelong Cajuns fan that I have an immense amount of respect for Arkansas State, but I can't stand Arkansas State, if that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, hey, look, that's fine. Uh, you know, and, and I totally get that as, as a fan and a media person as well. You have to have a little bit of hatred. That makes it fun. Yeah, hate, um, absolutely. And also, too, with Arkansas, when it comes to Arkansas State, I kind of uh, piggyback off of what Matt said. I mean, I, I've you know been a Cajuns fan since I was a kid, and every year the games were the Arkansas State UL matchup was always a fun matchup. Um, and, yeah. and usually there was, like you said, there was always something to play for, right? Whether it's before the conference decided to create divisions in football, there was always the Arkansas State was always the gatekeeper for the Cajuns to possibly win a conference title or now there you know you guys are the gatekeeper for the Cajuns to clinch the West so um and, and I'm sure it's the same same thing with 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 Arkansas State so um yeah I definitely enjoy the rivalry I think it's safe to say as far as a fan's perspective you know everybody likes to compare us to ULM right because of the UL name and you know both are in state and conference but to, if you ask any Cajun fan as far as the big if there's a rivalry in football in the conference mm -hmm. Arkansas State, oh, I yeah. think, is is hands down yeah. the, the, the foe. You know, you go back and you look at, at some of these recent matchups, which, again, you know, Cajuns, you hand it to them. It, it's been a little one-sided the past couple of years, and, and all in all, the Cajuns have won five out of the last seven. But 
you had a couple of years there where there were there were some heated games and uh, especially that year on Cajun Field where, you know, at the end of the game, they had to reprimand the Sunbelt officiating crew and reprimand multiple players and members of the coaching staff. And it was just such a mess and a disaster. And it hasn't quite gotten that heated on the field since, but you kind of also feel like it's, it's one of those series that might have the potential to, you could, you could have a game like that at any point. Yeah. You know, I, I'd actually for a little while forgotten about that game with, with the officiating crew. Um, yeah, you know, it's one, it's one of those series that it feels like it's constantly standing on the edge of the cliff. <laughs> and just at any second, you can fall into, you know, whatever kind of chaos you, you, you want to describe. Kara, you know, let's talk about Arkansas State specifically now. You know, you guys are 3-4 are and four on the year, 1-3 and three in the Sun Belt currently. What were, in, in the preseason going into this, unprecedented football season what what were the reasonable expectations for the Red Wolves football program I think the expectations going into the season were, were pretty similar to what they have been in years past in the fact that you know you had a team that you felt like could compete uh, for the West division crown and you knew that the Raging Cajuns would be the hurdle to overcome the big thing with this team coming into the year was the fact that you looked at you, you could look at the offense and feel like this offense could hang with anybody. You felt like Arkansas State's wide receivers could hang not just with anybody in the group of five, but anybody in the country with, with the incredible talent in that unit. And then you thought the defense was going to be a work in progress um, because it was a work in progress last year, to put it really nicely. Uh, the defensive side of the ball last season was just very, very bad. Uh, and it was also very injury-written. And actually, that was one of the contributing factors to why they did struggle so much. You know, I don't know how closely you guys followed Arkansas State last year, but A-State had a full-on defensive scheme change in the middle of the season. And we don't see that in college football. You see it in the offseason when it happens. But A-State moved in the middle of the season from a four-man front to a three-man front because they just no longer had the bodies on the defensive line to be able to do a four-man front. So there was a full-scale defensive change in the middle of the season. You had hopes that you would see improvement in the defense this year due to the fact that they would be more settled into that team, due to the fact that they would be healthier but it hasn't really worked out that way at this point. Yeah, you know, I think for a long time, Arkansas State's bread and butter has been the offensive firepower. But, you know, like like you said, defensively has has been a struggle. You know, I, I didn't realize that you guys had gone to a three-man front last season. Um, that's, that's interesting news to me. Um, but, you know, to kind of recap this season, you guys opened with a – with a loss to Memphis, you guys were competitive in that game, uh, yeah. th- and then and then you go to Manhattan, Kansas, and you get a big win over Kansas State, and then you guys went to Conway to open Sun Belt Conference play against Coastal Carolina. Um, that one obviously did not go in your guys' favor. You got big wins over Central Arkansas, who is a formidable FCS opponent. Uh, you also got a big win over Georgia State. And then you've lost to both App and Troy. So, you know, now being seven games into the season, what's the what's what's the ceiling for Arkansas State? Um not great. Uh it's it's not full on doom and gloom. And with the the way this season schedule is, there's plenty of opportunity to still win some games later in the season because A State has yet to face ULM, uh, South Alabama or Texas State. But 
it's kind of unfamiliar territory here for the fan base because when you look at these conference losses, it's not just that they're losses. I mean, A-State has lost numerous games in conference play. It's not a big deal. It is the margin of defeat in these games. Uh, A-State lost at Coastal by 29 points. A-State lost at App by 28 points. A-State lost to Troy at home by 28 points. We haven't seen any in any year in this Arkansas State program, this team lose to three conference opponents by four scores or more in one season. It's never happened in Arkansas State football history. So it's not just the losses. It, it is just how bad they've been, how one-sided some of these games have been, and just how brutally ugly they've been to watch at times. So when you're seeing losses like that, it, it knocks a lot of the optimism out of the fan base uh, for this weekend and for the rest of the season. So that's actually, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, the score margins. Even as a Cajuns fan, and I think I can speak on behalf of Matt, you know, losing by an average of 28 points in conference to us as far as, you know, Arkansas State doing it has been kind of a shocker to us as well Absolutely. going into this game because, you know, like we said, you know, you guys are always the team that is yeah. sort of like the gatekeeper to the West to make the championship game. And then, you know, last week I see the scores 38 to 10 at home against Troy. And I'm looking at the score, scratching my head going, what on earth is going on? And so I guess my question is, uh, Kara, from what you're seeing, uh, what what has been what 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 would you say is is uh, Arkansas State's biggest concern right now, which is causing these these losses by these margins at the moment? Man, can I just say everything? Um, I don't know that that's not a good answer. There's just, but there's so many different areas that you look at that are issues right now. Uh, one, special teams has been a mess all season, and and that's that's been the case with a lot of college teams uh, around the country because you know everybody had limited time going into the season, and you felt like maybe there was not as much work done on special teams as previous years. So you've had issues there, but that's the least of your worries because. On defense, this team just has not been able to stop anybody. They've actually shown a lot of improvement, both um, in the game at App State and against Troy. It was a much better defense in the second half. But we all know that you have to play four quarters. And while this offense was absolutely firing on all cylinders earlier in the year, uh, now there's a situation where, you know, the offensive line is a little bit beat up and this team cannot run the football. And it doesn't matter how dynamic your passing attack is, you have to be able to at least run it a little bit uh, to keep everybody from just, you know, double teaming your wide receivers and, and making, making you run. Uh, so it's just, you just look and, and I wish I could give you one answer and say, oh, hey, let's point at this one thing that A-State needs to fix and they'll start winning these games again. But unfortunately, it's multiple issues all over. And then also, you have some intangibles, I think, leading into these defeats as well and the fact that I don't know who is leading this team. And what I mean by that is, you know, you hear coaches say at some point in time that if you have um, a bad team, nobody is, is leading. If it's a good team, you know, your coaches lead. And if it's a great team, that's player leadership that you're seeing. And I, I don't know who's leading right now. And um, it's, it's not good. You know, that perfectly leads into, into my next question, Kara. You know, you, you talked about how, it, it's uncertain who's who's leading this program, and you know out, outside of the coach, in in all of football, the next person that you look at to be the leader is the quarterback. And you know there's a there's a famous quote I don't remember which coach said it first, but 
I've always loved the quote. I've always sticked by it. If you have two quarterbacks, you really and truly have none. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that has been much discussed. I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. <laughs> no, and, and you know, obviously you guys are, are playing both Logan Bonner and Lane Hatcher. So one, one thing that I, I kind of want to know is what sets one apart from the other? What's one? What's their strengths and weaknesses? And in, in your opinion, who should be leading the program? So let's start with just kind of looking at this situation in general. Um, Specifically, one, it's like it breaks our brain as football fans to have two quarterbacks out there that are so similar. Because when you usually see, if you ever see two quarterback systems having success, it's because the quarterbacks are very stylistically different. Typically, you've got one guy that throws very well, and then typically you've got a guy that can make uh, make plays with his feet. And this isn't the case at all. These, these guys, they don't have cement blocks for legs, but they're not really a threat to take off and, and do some damage um, in the run game. They both have really good arms. And if you're looking at uh, necessarily, you know, each one of their best assets, I feel like Logan Barner has, um, he just has a really quick release. I think in some of these uh, shorter plays, those kind of mid-range plays that Arkansas State uses to just march down the field, um, he's just got, pinpoint accuracy, and he's really good at guiding drives like that. On the other hand, I think Lane Hatcher has more of the intangible edge and the fact that this dude is just flat out a winner. Um, You go back to his high school career, and he was uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the state of Arkansas. I can't remember his high school stats, but they were just obscene. Uh, The numbers, the touchdowns, everything like that. He was also a state champion wrestler. So this kid is a winner. He is used to winning. And following Arkansas State's most recent loss, you know, Lane Hatcher stepped up and said, hey, I promised this fan base that I that we are going to win a Sunbelt title before I get out of here. So that's the type of person that he is. Now, if you look at what these guys have done combined together, um, it's, it's, this is still an A-state offense that is fourth in the country in passing yards. They average over 350 yards per game through the air. This is a A-state offense that has thrown the most passing touchdowns in the country with 24. It, it is working uh, for the most part. The big issue right now with this team is is the offensive line. And because of that, um, if you have issues on the line, then it doesn't matter what quarterback you're going to put back there. It's going to be tough for them to be successful. As far as picking one, I'm going to be honest, guys. I think after every single game, <laughs> I wanted to pick a different quarterback. Uh, after game one, I think preseason, I was in the Logan Bonner camp. Um, if, if you're asking me right now today who I would like to see the most, get the most snaps against the Cajuns, uh, probably Lane Hatcher because I felt like he had the better performance um, last week. But, you know, you go back the week before that, I would have told you Logan Bonner. So it's, it's been – I've flip-flopped a lot on that this season. So you, you just mentioned, Kara, about the, uh, the offense as far as um, passing. And, and as we know, I mean, Arkansas State has a trio of receivers between Jonathan Adams, Dahu Green, and Brandon Bowling. Um, talk a little bit about them, especially um, the, the effectiveness of the, that offense as far as the receiving core with the passing game. Um, what, what is it? Is it? Is it just the fact that those three receivers are just that talented? I mean, what, what, are, what is it that's causing that, that offense to be so effective in regards to the passing game, whether it's Hatcher or Bonner at quarterback? Well, that's a big part of it is just the talent of these guys. I mean, you look at – so we'll start with Brandon Bowling, who's, who's the slot guy, the APAC. And the thing with Brandon Bowling is he doesn't have – you know, he's 
your slot bag is a smaller guy, so he's not big. He does have a little bit of speed, but the thing with bowling is he's just got insanely good hands. If you get anything in his catch radius, like he's going to get it. He's not one of those guys that drops passes. He just has glue traps for hands. So he is a huge asset there. Uh, you look at Dahu Green, and Dahu Green is just physically gifted. This is a guy that's 6'5". He has a wingspan for days. Uh, he is going to be able to tower over any cornerback in, in the Sun Belt. So he's able to make those plays. And then Jonathan Adams is just, he has an unworldly physicality. Um, it is not a 50-50 ball when you throw at Jay Adams. I think it's more of like a 90-10. And I know at this point in time, you guys have seen some of the highlight catches that he's made because there's one at least every game. Uh, you know, and one of his famous plays, one of his most uh, most seen plays, I guess, the season was a catch that wasn't even ruled a touchdown. It was that absolutely insane catch against uh, Kansas State in the second week of the season. He is just able to do um, incredible things. One note about Adams is, you know, he was a really good basketball player all throughout his high school career. And in fact, he even spent a season with A-State men's basketball uh, before he decided to just 100% focus on football. And you can kind of see that basketball athleticism in some of the things he does in terms of just uh, the the hops that he needs, um, the hands, and all of that, and he's just uh, he's just unbelievable to watch. I I hope we get to see him on Saturday. Uh, he had an off the field issue on Sunday, and uh, we do not know if it will warrant any suspension or not. Wow. Okay. I I did not know about that with Jonathan Adams. That's uh. That's interesting. In, in, in your in your opinion, do you think he's going to be available tomorrow? I'm really at a coin flip, I'll be honest with you. It is a situation where um, there will not be any charges pressed. Um, and it is not a, it's not a situation where he, you know, physically harmed or anything like that. It, 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 it impacts no other human being. Um, so before, I, I definitely don't want to get about that and I can tell you guys what's going on it was it was in the local paper so it's not like it's some huge secret although we haven't seen it much on on social media uh, he was um, stopped well not stopped he was actually early Sunday morning he was on campus and he was uh, parked in a handicapped spot so a campus cop went and, and asked what was up and uh, there was a smell of marijuana in the vehicle and he also had an unloaded gun in the glove box. And no matter how you feel about pot or how you feel about guns, it can be a felony to have a gun on a college campus. So um, that's not usually something that's prosecuted. So again, there are no charges. He will not have a future court date or anything like that. But uh, it is a disciplinary matter uh, because you can't have gun on a campus. So um it, again, it is this TBD. It is something they could have already handled in-house, or it could be something that we will see impact Saturday's game. I do not know at this point. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, that, that that's definitely a tricky situation, um, you know, you know, especially in a, in a football program, situations like that. How do you handle it from a disciplinary standpoint? Um, you know, that's obviously a matter of opinion for – for most people, let's flip back over to the defense. I know we talked about it a little bit early on. 
you know, it, it's it's no secret that the defense in Jonesboro has struggled. Um, you guys, mm-hmm. even halfway through the season, fired your defensive coordinator and your defensive passing game coordinator uh, following that Georgia State shootout. How does Blake Anderson plan to write that ship? One, I feel like you guys are still stunned by the Jonathan Adams. <laughs> I feel like you guys are still oh, processing. Yeah, no, yeah kind of. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Way, That's a big deal. <laughs> hey, I, I'm not going to lie to you. The, the headline, in, in before we get into defense, the headline in the paper yesterday uh, said something along the, the lines of, you know, Jonathan Adams' release after um, after whatever. And my thought immediately, because it's been such a rough year already, was that he had been released from the team. And I was just like, oh, bleep. Like, this is right. not good. Right. But, but that is not the case again. Uh, but, yeah, it was something that everybody was just like, really? You know, this is, this is what's going on. Uh, with the, the defense, um, one, so this defense is young. Uh, it really is, especially in the secondary, which is a big issue in the Sun Belt because you've got a lot of teams that do enjoy throwing it around. Of course, you've got a lot of teams that run as well. Um, but it's a really, really young defense. We mentioned the defensive team at the beginning of the year, and there are some playmakers in this defense, but I don't know how well they've been utilized. Because with a three-man front, you know, you, you've got to find some other places to bring pressure. And for so much of the beginning of the season, they just weren't doing that. Now that they've made the switch at defensive coordinator to um, Nick Karimsky, I do think we'll start to see this become a little bit more of an aggressive defense. Uh, some more blitzes, some more pressure brought from wherever, uh, some more sacks and tackles from loss or loss uh, throughout the rest of the season. But it's it's just been a struggle. Um, you know, you've got with, with the defensive team. Again, you've got some really good players. I mean, Forrest Merrill is is a phenomenal you know, beast of an interior defensive lineman. I swear to goodness, that dude could probably bench press a geo tracker. And then you've got, you know, Justin Rice there, Fresno State transfer, preseason Mountain West Defensive Conference um, Player of the Year. And I just don't know if these guys have been utilized thus far to show off the best of their talents because they're very, very, very good. And right now we've only seen, you know, two games into the Perimsky era. And it's still a mixed bag. You can't just make a, a magic, wave a magic wand and all of a sudden make this defense great when it, when it wasn't before. Um, so it's still a work in progress. Some of the biggest issues the past couple of weeks is this defense has just been punched in the mouth early. And then they haven't recovered. If you go back to the Troy game on Saturday, Arkansas State, I think, gave up 14 points in somewhere in the neighborhood of like 250 yards in the first quarter. Now, after that, they settled down quite a bit. The second half is almost flawless from a defensive standpoint, but uh, they've got to find a way on Saturday not to start so poorly. So, Kara, with that said, you you know, as defense is trying to find their identity in many ways these past few weeks, uh, I mean, I know offensively they're still clicking in many ways, but not quite gating to the to the level I know that they're that that the, we all know they're capable of in some in some ways. Overall, overall, with everything going on right now, as far as position groups, whether it's any of the three phases, special teams, offense, or defense, what what group right now do you think favors the Red Wolves at the moment going into tomorrow? Um, special teams? No, it didn't. The Cages just like run a couple back last week. Am I making that up? 
We ran one back against UAB two weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, man. Uh, I'll go with the offense because I still think there are, you know, I, and I know the Cajuns have just such an unbelievable ability to run the ball. But, uh, you know, if, if Jay Adams is playing this weekend, then in my opinion, he's, he's the best dude on the field. Um, and, you know, if this offensive line is a little bit more healthy than we've seen for Arkansas State, then I have faith in this offense to start functioning like it's supposed to again. Uh, that's been, again, one of the issues. It's just this offensive line has been beat up, and it's made life difficult for the quarterback and in a passing offense that just doesn't work. But, uh, and, and again, I'm using a lot of ifs in this situation. If this offensive line is healthy on Saturday, I would give the offense an edge, but but if it's not, it's it's going to continue to be a long day for Arkansas State. Yeah, you know, Carol. My my next question, you know, to to touch on the the position group you're talking about, the health of the offensive line. What's the health of the overall roster? You know, the the depth charts have have obviously been released leading up to tomorrow's game. Um, outside of Jonathan Adams, are there any big names that could potentially not suit up for Arkansas State tomorrow? You know, there's. You go back um, a couple weeks ago, you had a player named Kenneth Harris, a uh, backup corner, a guy who was kind of blossoming because he's just a freshman. Uh, he was making some gains, and he has a fractured foot, so he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. So you have uh, some some lack of depth there in your secondary. Also, you know, I never know what's going on with Marcel Murray at, at running back. Uh, he is he's hands down Arkansas State's best weapon on the ground uh he's a really talented player but you go back to pretty much the beginning of the 2019 season and he has not been healthy uh he's either been out or you know even in 2019 when we did see him on the field there were maybe two games three games last season where he was 100 percent. and when he is it makes a world of difference arkansas state would not be having these troubles running the ball if marshall murray was to go but i truly have no idea if we'll see him on Saturday, and if we do, how much of him we'll see. Also, uh, on the offensive line, Arkansas State will get um, Andre Harris back this week. He's the starting left guard. Really, really good player. Just a junior. He's been a starter since he came to Arkansas State. And he's been out for a little bit. I, I think he might be a little bit limited, though, as they try and work him back into the mix. And then at left tackle, um, Jarrett Forrest, the past two games, has not been able to play the full game. So I'm not sure about, you know, what his status will be um, if he's going to be able to make it all the way through this one on Saturday. So just a couple concerns uh, around the field. So going into tomorrow uh, with everything that's been going on, what, what are the keys to victory for the Red Wolves? Um, I know tomorrow, uh, sometimes it's one of those situations where because they're, they're about to play the Cajuns, uh, like you said, with the pass that we have, I'm sure that that'll definitely play a role. Um, what, what are some things that you're going to be looking for for the Red Wolves to pull off that will allow them to get the win here in Lafayette tomorrow? Well, sure. Well, it's kind of two things that I've already mentioned or at least danced around on. On offense, you have to have better play than your line. And I know I've said the words offensive line over and over and over, but there's so many weapons on this A-State offense, but if, if your line's not gelling, then, then you're not going to see all those weapons be able to hit their potential. One of the things with this line is, is that not only it, has it been beat up, but it seems like they've lost a little bit of their swagger. 
And so they need to get that back. They need to find some way to kind of build some mojo early, uh, protect these quarterbacks, just have just a little bit of a run game early so then you can open up the passing game. And then on defense, it, look, it's going to be a long time till this, till this is a good defense. So the big thing tomorrow is just to not go out and get punched in the mouth early. Because, again, we've seen this defense really settle in the past two games in the second half. But if you're already down, you know, 24 to nothing, 28 to nothing, or, or, you know, you already have a three or four score margin going into the second half, it doesn't matter how good your defense plays in the second half. Because you've already been punched in the mouth. You already have a huge deficit. You can't have that happen. So you've got to have a solid start for the defense and a little bit of swagger for your offensive line. And those will do huge things for Arkansas State and in keeping them in this one in Lafayette. Kara, you have been incredible. Um, but before we let you go, I'm going to put you on the spot because I like to do this to our guest on Behind Enemy Lines. What is your prediction for tomorrow morning here in Lafayette? Everything I know about this game on paper tells me that, you know, the Cajuns have an edge and they have a sizable edge. Um, at end, you factor in so many things, you know, the the TBD situation with, with Jay Adams, um, you know, what could be a not 100% offensive line. Um, the fact that A-State has won, you know, twice at Cajun Field in like the past 20 years. <laughs> Uh, all of that on paper points to a Cajun win. However, there is the 2020 factor involved in all of this, and you just never, never know. But if I was going to put money on this game, which I would not, I would probably pick the Cajuns. But i got to be a little bit of a homer and say absolutely no cover. Well, of, of course. Okay. What, what kind of, what kind of <laughs> Arkansas State radio person would you be if you said – that if you didn't pick the Red Wolves, I know you, you know you, you gotta you gotta be biased to your home team no matter <laughs> no matter if you're seven and zero or zero and seven, they're gonna yeah, win so every let week. Me change, let me change my prediction here: Red Wolves by a thousand. Hey, I love hey. It. and and you know what? Look, I, I'll be honest with you. With, with the past of the way these two teams have faced each other, you, you never, never know. know. You never know. Look, I, yeah. the one that stuck out to me, and what's funny when you mention about how the two teams have been sort of uh, not the not the friendliest on the field. I remember um, 2016. The Cajuns had a four and six record. I think Arkansas mm-hmm. State was. I think they were definitely the favorite going into that game. Yeah, and. That I, I mean, look, if the Cajuns don't win that game and don't go to Monroe the next week, they, they're not in a bowl game. And sure enough, yeah. lo and behold, that, that crucial call of whether or not Arkansas, I think, I forgot who it was that was a quarterback at the time for the Red Wolves. It, it was Hanson. It was Hanson. Hanson. Was it a touchdown or not, right? I mean, yeah. one inch, one inch. And a, as, one as, inch. A, as a Cajuns fan, I will go on the record, it was a touchdown. Oh, <laughs> you you could definitely <laughs> debate it. You, it was, and, and I tell you though, whenever whenever the ref said it, we it got cross, lucky. The knee touched. I'm like, oh, we but, got lucky. But it's just that is just a microcosm, a small example of just the little things that grow into bigger things when it comes to these two these two schools meeting. Every time, there's always that one ounce of just. This could happen or that could happen. Yeah. Um, that always tends to t- tends to add some intensity to this this rivalry that's already there. So, let me follow up on that with with this quickly. One that 
lost at Lafayette cost Arkansas State um, an, a perfect 8-0 and conference record. And also, they would have been the outright Sunbelt Conference champion that year in 2016. Instead, they had to split with, uh, with App State or had to share, or you don't do co-champions, but two champions uh, at 7-1. and one. So that hurt. And then the thing that kind of still sticks in the cross of uh, a lot of A-State fans in regards to that loss, following the next day, um, the official Raging Cajuns Twitter account posted something along the lines of, you know, the difference in thinking you've won and knowing you've won. Because, of course, after the touchdown, A-State celebrated, and then they reviewed it and overturned it, oh, and yeah. the Cajuns celebrated. So the fact that the official Cajuns account tweeted that out, everybody was like, oh. How dare they? <laughs> You're welcome. So, <laughs> but but look, so, I, I, you know it's funny. I, and before we let you go, I just need I want to tell you that you know Coach Coach Blake Anderson. You know he's got ties here to Lafayette. Yeah. He, you know I was in 2007. I was an equipment manager for the football team. It was my freshman year in school, and and Coach Anderson for the one year that he was here. He was the offensive coordinator, so I know he's got a lot of ties to Lafayette. He's familiar with the area, and it just kind of added to the aura of these two schools meeting whenever he took the job. I believe it was 2014, and mm-hmm. um, it just it's just added to the fun because uh, a lot of us know Coach Anderson, and 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 you know, look, I, I, he's he's a he's a he's a good coach. I know that there there have been mixed opinions about him somewhat some years. I know maybe oh he could do more blah blah blah, but you know I know he's been through a lot uh, over this past year and a half or so. And, um, I, I did want to ask you real quickly, h- how is coach Anderson? What, what is the fans perception of him right now? I, like I said, even though he's been through a lot, I know he's been there a while. Um, he's been able to bring them success, but I'm sure there's some fans out there who are like, well, it's not enough. What, what is the aura or the aura? What is the perception of the fan base towards uh, coach Blake Anderson at the moment? Well, the, the fan base loves him as a person. Uh, I feel pretty confident in saying that, but um, this is, this is a frustrated fan base right now when you're talking about this particular season, because again, this is a fan base that is not accustomed to watching its team lose in conference play by four scores. Um, not once during a season, not twice during a season, but three times now that that has happened. There are some people that are unhappy with that, that are very vocally unhappy with that. Uh, and I don't know if that extends to, you know, the money people who, let's face it, uh, their voice counts a little bit more than some of the rest of ours. Uh, but there's some frustration right now. And there's some frustration, I think, among the fans in the fact that, you know, there's a lot of people going into this game on Saturday not really feeling like Arkansas State can win this. And that is a really unfamiliar feeling. Because you always feel like you can hang with other teams in the Sun Belt. You always are supposed to feel like you can hang with your rival. And right now there are people who, who don't feel that way. So when you lose some of your optimism, uh, when you've seen some of these lopsided defeats, there's going to be frustration no matter how nice of a guy your head coach is. Yeah, you know, I've definitely noticed the, uh, the lack of confidence from Arkansas State fans on social media uh, over, over the last couple of days when, when asked, you know, about this game on, on Saturday. Speaking of social media, Kara, before you go, tell our listeners where, uh, where they can find you. Sure. I'm on Twitter at Kara underscore Richie, and that's that's just the best place to find me. I, I spend too much time there. Um, so yeah, don't we all? That's, a, that's the spot. Awesome. Kara, like I said earlier, thank you so much for joining us. You've been incredible. Uh, hope you enjoy the game tomorrow, and we will. I'm sure we'll talk to you again down the line. Hey, that sounds like a plan. Really appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, thanks, Kara.
We'll see ya. And there she goes, Kara Ritchie, host of the Workday Red Zone on 95.3 The Ticket in Jonesboro. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we will wrap up this interview. We will give you a rundown of the Sunbelt games this weekend, and we'll give you our predictions for tomorrow's contest between the Cajuns and the Red Wolves right here on Razor Review. Awardmaster, located at 3219 Johnston Street, is the only award shop licensed by Louisiana Athletics. In business in Lafayette for over 45 years, Awardmaster creates one-of-a-kind trophies, medals, and awards using a wide variety of materials, including resin, glass, wood, acrylic, and more. Owners Adam and Sarah Lopez are proud UL alumni, as well as Cajun Cooking Club members. Adam and Sarah can also help with your business promotional items. Rager Review you trust Awardmasters for all of their needs, and you will too. Awardmasters is so much more than just an award shop. Give Awardmasters a call today, 337-984-1414, or go to awardmaster.com. Awardmaster, the recognition and personalization experts. Think you're saving money by booking your trips on those travel sites? Think again. Our friends at Escape Reality Travel Agency can customize your trip hassle-free and, in many cases, for less money. Escape Reality Travel Agency offers service before, during, and after the trip. That ensures a top-notch experience for you and your family. Owners Shaden Haney and Chrislyn Vollenweider pride themselves on providing personalized service and expert guidance for every traveler. Whether domestic or international, the planning process will be painless. Maybe you're looking for a park or resort-style family getaway. With Escape Reality, you can focus on the fun and let them do the work. Perhaps you're looking to attend a Raging Cajuns road game. No problem. Escape Reality can help. Just visit them on the web at yourescapefromreality.com or call 337-281-1801. PSC Supply and Hardware, locally owned since 1987, is the official hardware store of the Range and Review podcast. PSC is Louisiana's oldest dealer of Traeger grills and one of two platinum dealers in the state. PSC is your barbecue headquarters, carrying BK and Weber grills, Blackstone products, and the largest selection of barbecue seasonings in South Louisiana. Do you need propane? On sale every Saturday. What about pellets for your electric smokers? That's on sale every Saturday, too. Come see Willie and the gang out at PSC Supply and Hardware, 1014 Albertson Parkway in Broussard, or call 337-837-2811. Check out their website, pscsupply.com. Welcome back to Region Review. Matt Miguez here on this beautiful Wear Red Friday here in Lafayette, Louisiana. Joined as as always, you know, like I, I say as always, but it's it's, it's been a while, man. <sighs> I know, man. I've, I was in the wilderness for a little while, but I've come back for to. It's it's, it's good to, to have come you. hang out. It's, it's good to have you back, <laughs> man. Um, I, I know I know our listeners have missed you. So, uh, like I'll I said, miss them too. good good to have you back. Yes, Thank sir. you, as always, to Kara Ritchie for joining us last segment. Um, you know, great insight to the Arkansas State Red Wolves. Always a fun rivalry 
when they come to town or vice versa when we go up to Jonesboro. Um, you know, like like you said, it was a it was a rivalry before twenty fourteen, but especially when Blake Anderson took the helm, it became even more of a rivalry considering his ties to our football program. Yeah, and also too, I mean, like we've talked about, I mean, they've always been sort of the gatekeeper for a while. Yeah. Before the the divisions were split within the Sunbelt Conference of a conference championship or uh, even now, uh, still tomorrow, even though they might not be up to par of where they usually are, you know, because of that sort of rival perception or rival aura, it, it's still kind of, I mean, look, I'm still kind of nervous going into the game for that reason oh, because 100%. we're so we're so familiar with each other. It's kind of like that with ULM, right? It, you throw the records out the window. And so, um, yeah, it, it's it's been a little more intense recently uh, with Coach Blake Anderson at the helm because, again, he's a little more familiar with us since he's coached here before. But um, I, I do think that the matchup tomorrow, uh, it, I definitely think it favors the Cajuns on paper like Kara said, but uh, when you're familiar with a team like that, when you play this team every year for the past, I don't know, 40 or 50 years, it, it doesn't matter about record. You no. know that they, they know us, we no. know them, and so now it's time to get get into the grind and play the game. It, it, it doesn't matter if they've struggled or if we struggled, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is, is that we need to play our A game. We need to get the job done and if we do that, we should take care of business. But they're not a team to underestimate no, at all. Not at all. So. And very interesting news about Jay Adams Jr. Um, you know, found on found on campus on Sunday with a with a gun and some weed. Uh, you know, that's man. that's interesting because. But you know, the more the more I've thought about it, while while we, even while we were talking to Kara, knowing Blake Anderson's history, mm-hmm. he likes to handle things in house. Sure. He doesn't really like to suspend players. Sure. I would not be surprised if Jonathan Adams suits up tomorrow. Well, yeah. Maybe. I, I really would not. If Sure. If I'm a betting man, that situation's already been taken care of. And Jonathan Adams will play tomorrow for the for the Red Wolves. Um looking at the depth chart for us for tomorrow, um, you know, injury wise, nothing new. Which is which is great news. Obviously TJ Wisham's still out with an upper body injury, but he was out last week. Um. Yeah. No. No new names at the bottom on the injury report. Um. Let's see. Interesting takes from the depth chart. Max Mitchell stays at the right tackle position. Um. I think that's a that was a smart move last week to kind of protect Levi's blindside a little bit better. Uh. Carlos Rubio going to line up at the left tackle. Errol Rogers Jr. lining up at the top of the depth chart. Mm. Wow. Along with Khalif Gossett and Dante Fleming, also on the receiving chart, Peter LeBlanc, Kyron Lacey, Pat Hughes, and Brian Smith Jr. Dalen Cambry still going to be the holder for Nate Snyder's place kicks. Um, obviously, Chris Smith and Elijah Mitchell going to handle kickoff duties. Eric Garer still listed as the punt returner. You know that that's been a that's been a touchy subject. Lately, um, you know some of some of his some of his decision making. It ha- has not, and you know this has been a thing since his freshman year. You know some of his decision making back there 
I'm not, I'm not very impressed with. Well, it's the principle of the one step forward, two steps back, right? You, you, you pull off a return for so many yards like he did against UAB, and then what was it? If, you know, I don't know if it was last week. It wasn't him, but then sometimes he'll pick the ball up when it bounces with a guy in his face, mm-hmm. and he'll muff or he'll fumble or he doesn't – you know, they call it Peter where you get away from the ball, he tries to, you know, tempt. It's Here, like Here's the thing. It's like stealing a base in baseball. Yeah. You gotta sell out. You gotta know. You either you're either doing it or you're not. Or you're not. Right, right. So I, I think and the thing about it is you take that away, he's the perfect return man. Right. He's fast. Yeah, I mean he he has moves. To, he's elusive. To, to to elaborate on my baseball analogy, when you're standing on first base, you're not gonna take two steps towards second and then hesitate for a second. Or go back. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're either you're going run. or you're not. You're gonna run, yeah. So So right. my, my thing is is either <laughs> Catch the ball in the air and return it, or don't. Or go away, or move away yeah. from it. Right. Or don't. Right. Right. Because when when you try to let it bounce once and then catch it on the bounce, that's when issues happen. Well, you you make the mistake if you fumble or you muff because you do something like that. You give the other team the ball at the ten yard line and they score. You flip the game. Right. You flip the game. I mean, you give them momentum. You flip the game, and it always. Mistake, little mistakes like that always come back to haunt you no matter what uh, ends up happening, right? So, yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's that one step forward, two steps back when it comes to Eric Guerra. But he's still, I mean, look, he when it, whenever it is his time to shine, we've seen what he's capable of on, on, his, uh, on his returns. Fan cutouts are in place at Cajun Field. I'm interested to see where it's going to be and what it's going to look like. They, Have they shown where got it a, is? They've got a row full of dogs. <laughs> this is awesome. I love this. Oh, that's too I funny. I love this. Um, this picture that they posted onto social media, there's a group of them right by the tunnel. Oh. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much. Um, it, de- it obviously depends on how many cutouts were purchased to depend on how many you're going to have throughout the stadium. Um, you notice there's some stadiums that are putting all of them in like one section. Like some right. of them have them spread out. Some of them have them in one section. Some of them have them. I don't know. Like where the camera angle can see it. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, Matt. I, I kind of wish they would spread it out. Right. You kind of oh, make sure. it look like a little bit more of a full stadium. Sometimes when you put it in one little section at one place, it's kind of like, okay, just why are you doing that? Go spread it out a little bit more, you know, um, I'm kind of curious to see how much of a difference it's going to make if they show it tomorrow. How much what what it what it's really going to look like? That's what I'm curious. Yeah, about. it'll it'll be interesting. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, just looking at a couple notable faces, it looks like Ricky Bustle really has one. Okay, all right. Um, and, and I can't tell because they're in full uniform, helmet and all. Is, but is, there is a former football player. Is Doctor Savoie? Doctor Savoie has to be one. He was the he was remember the play card right. on the field. You gotta add, you gotta add Doctor T. I don't, I don't, to the... I don't see him in this group. No, okay, not in this group. I mean, there may be one. <laughs> um, it looks like Yvette Gerard got one as well. Ah, the coach. All right, all right. Um, but yeah, and then like I said, there's a there's a football player. Looks like a quarterback, um, but he's in pads and helmet. Okay, former Cajuns player, so I can't really tell who it is, but definitely a cool look. And then yeah, you got one, two, three, four dogs. Chilling in a row together. By the way, speak of speaking of which, of former players, how about that video, that homecoming video? Oh, as, my God. As everybody knows, this I, is, I this is like, our homecoming game. I teared up. 
How, how about that? I teared up. And of course, what better person to narrate it than the legendary the Brian Mitch. Mitchell? Right? I mean, uh, uh, Douglas, Mitch. Douglas Dome ain't no signs oh, of play with my he, emotions, man. He, he, he did it again. Yeah. He did it again. Uh, the, the man the man always does I, it. I think the most the, the one that really made me emotional was opening day for baseball season this year. Oh yeah. That that the one mm-hmm. dedicated to Robe. Yep. I mean, I watched it in my car. I was uh, in a parking lot and I'm playing with my phone waiting on something and I I pull it up and I'm like, "Oh, it's a, you know, baseball season, right? right. Oh, opening I mean, Cajun Nation knows how exciting <clears throat> Oh yeah. How exciting opening day is in baseball. And of course, last year obviously sentimental towards coach Robichaux and I'm looking and I'm watching the video and just it was a dedication purely to number 36, man. And I, I mean, I got choked up. Oh yeah. I mean, Doug, stop playing with our you emotions, know, man. The the, the, the the thing about the homecoming <laughs> video this year was it was really cool to look at the moments that they talked about throughout Cajun history. Absolutely, yeah. And you you can look at them and be like, I was there. Yeah. I was there for that. Right. Mr. Four Thousand. Right. The onside kick. Yep. You know, I, I'm, i you know, good, what, 10 years younger than you are. Eight, eight years I think younger. you're eight, yeah. yeah. Um, so, obviously, you've seen more than I have. You were there for the for the A&M game in 96. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, 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 I peanut, remember the peanut, peanut punch. Yeah, I remember when um, Peanut was there. And so, you know, you, you, like I said, you've seen a little more than I have. But, yeah, the, the onside kick, Mr. 4000, you know, the walk-off earlier this year. Yeah. Just those elite moments in, in Cajun's football history that have all happened right here in Cajun Field. Sure. And, and I think what makes it even more special is that I, you know, one thing that I love that that with, with these videos, especially with Douglas does, and I'll never, and I actually sent him a message on this and he sent me a, he sent me a copy to, of the video last year was when they, the Aerosmith Dream On Mon- montage they yeah. show on the scoreboard yeah. and they they cut there was one part and it's very subtle it's like about three or four seconds where they cut as the team you can see coach nelson the late nelson stokely leading the cajuns out on the field for the AM game and it cuts right to billy napier walking out with oh, the nice. current team and it's just little things like that it's like wow yeah. like little subtle things mm-hmm. little subtle things like that and and it's just so cool because one thing that they do that doug does a great job of is is really combining the past with the present yep. and appreciating, letting fans appreciate the past with the present, For you sure. know, and, and, you know, I, I was um, talking to to one of our, our listeners and our good friends, former coach Lou Hebert. Yeah. And, you know, when he sees uh, montages of Brian Mitchell leaping into the end zone with this, doing this gymnastic looking yeah. Olympic somersault into the end zone as a quarterback, you know, he talks about like, I was there, I coached, right. you know, Brian and, and, uh, and, and like you said, you know, being there for the onside kick. Look, I graduated with Ladarius Green. Uh, you know, we were in finance together. I can, I can, and, rem- I can remember that game so very well. Yeah, I can remember what were we, what were we down? 15? Nine. We were down nine with three minutes left. Oh, it was more than that. It was nine with about two and a half minutes, uh, three, two and a half, three minutes left. They were up nine. Because I remember we had to score, get the onside, and score again. Right, it was nine because we ended up. What ended up happening was, um, I know we ended up winning thirty six, thirty five. Yeah, it we went for two, so it was thirty twenty three. It was actually it might have been more. I think it was. I think it was. It was closer to fourteen. It might have been. Yeah, it might have been. But I just remember um, we had to score. 
We, we, yeah, we scored a touchdown. We onside kicked it. And, yeah, that, I mean, that's exactly what happened. Um, and, and, and Ladarius recovered the onside kick. And two plays later, we're in the end zone up one. Oh, no, it was. Yeah, here, here we go. Here we go. Fourth quarter, 205 left in the ball game. We were down 35 to 24. Okay. Okay. That that yep. That makes sense. And we went for two to go down three. We missed it. Correct. And then we did it again. So we, we scored twelve points Correct. because we went for two. Okay. It was thirty five. Okay. Yep. Eleven. So we were down eleven. I don't know why I kept thinking right. we were down nine. And then Alonzo okay. Harris scored on a three yard touchdown run yep. with seven seconds left in the ball game. And I just never forget. Uh, they were almost in field goal range. Colton Browning rolls out and he wasn't paying attention to the clock. He runs out of bounds as time runs out. Yeah. And that was it. And I just remember I'm in the row, front row of the student section of that game, and we were going nuts. And you see a bunch of the Cajun players come running to the student section. I mean, it was I was what in a section all the way to the left. Yeah, on the home side, all the way to the in left. The, in the yeah, okay, you were uh, by the scoreboard, right? Yeah, yeah. I was I was down there, so I was I was right there when Ladarius Green recovered it. I remember when Coach Hud, after the game, they interviewed him, and he was, I mean, he was emotional. Oh, yeah. And that was, remember, that was his first year. That was one of the biggest wins in school history. Well, it was a big, it was a significant win because we were coming off a three and nine season. The fans, the the fan base was at a, 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 just a high that all year. I mean, that year, we averaged about 30,000 fans a game. So, you know, Cajun Nation was out in full force. It was loud. What happens when you win? It was fun. And to, to, to make a comeback like that, it's so funny because Ladarius, or we, as we know him as Pee Wee, uh, I, have, I had a few classes with him. And uh, I remember he came in that Tuesday in class and a bunch of people were like about to applaud him. And all were like, man, what great job. And no, Pee Wee being Pee Wee just kind of sat there, not really saying much. He was very quiet. You know, we'd sat next to each other in class a few times. And it's funny because... He was, he's such a, he's to this day, he's such a humble guy. You know, he wasn't one of those type of people that uh, really said much. He was very quiet, very studious, smart guy, made good grades. And so he comes in and I just remember everybody was like starting to chant his name, like, well, there he is, there he is. And he kind of started to blush a little bit. And uh, it was, it was great. It was just such, such a great year. And um, that game to me was one of the most epic games at Cajun Field because of the way it played out. Right. Um, and just uh, so that was your senior year at UL. That was my very last semester. That was actually me, my last home game as an undergrad. You yeah. want me? You want me to show you the the age gap between you and I? How old were you? That was my freshman year of high school. Choo! Wow, that was my freshman year of high school. You weren't even driving yet. No. Oh. No. <laughs> I remember the New Orleans Bowl that season. I had to skip my freshman homecoming. My first homecoming ever. I had the choice to either go to the New Orleans Bowl or go to my homecoming dance. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was an easy choice. Oh. I was like, I've got three more homecomings. I don't. I might not have another New Orleans Bowl. But granted, we had three more. That New Orleans Bowl, man. I, oh yeah. I, I I know I've said this before. I graduated that your, day. Your 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 video from right under the goalpost, <laughs> legendary. Man, I tell you. So one of the local. He got it. He got it. Good. Yeah. I, I just one of my friends hooked me up with a pass as a graduation gift, and I just never forget San Diego State scores. I literally sit down on the field about to cr- like literally about to cry like we're about to blow this game, mm-hmm. and my buddy's looking at me going, dude. 32 seconds left. Don't, don't, you know, don't give up. And I'm like, dude, we 30, 30 seconds. I mean, that's going to be tough. Don't you know? doubt, don't doubt Blaine Gauthier. Move the ball down the field. 
line up for the field goal. Yep. I'm like, I am running behind the goalpost, and I'm going to film this. I'm like, uh, I'm not – I want to see if it goes – because, you know, you see – you look at the field goal from the side, and you celebrate, and then you realize they hooked it left, they hooked it right. You don't know until the ref does the no good. Well, I was like, well, I'm making sure – I stand behind well, the from, goalpost. From, yeah, I was about to say, from behind, so you can tell from, you know, forever away. It was going whether in. It's gonna, whether it's going to go in or not. Yeah, and when I saw, my main thing was don't get it blocked. Yeah. Kick it. Don't, get it off. Kind of like with Nate Snyder against Georgia Southern. If he doesn't get it blocked, he's got the chance to get the distance. And sure enough, as I saw it come in the air and the way it oh, curled, God. I that, knew it was, that, that kick from Brett would have been good from 60. Oh, dude, I I, I literally broke down yeah, after that. that. That kick from Brett would have been good from 60. Oh, he drilled it. He would have made it. Well, you remember the He made the 55-yard. He would have made it from 55. He would have made it from easily from 55. And watching the highlight now and seeing the number of people in the, in the end mm-hmm. zone celebrating, that's so cool, man. When, that's when so Brett cool. Bear took off. And ran into that. They they all ran into that far corner. Yeah, that's where I was sitting. Oh, were you really? I was in that corner. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was that was cool. <laughs> that we, was cool. We had some fun on Bourbon that night. I'll just oh. say Bourbon Street was a blast. Yeah, one hundred percent. Jerry, yeah. Saturday, you know, obviously UL Arkansas State. Yes, eleven o'clock kickoff on ESPN. U. What's your prediction? Well, you know, we've talked about this before, and I know it's been a while since I've been on. I think as long as the Cajuns stick with what they did last week, and I know I keep saying stick with the basics, but if you notice the past two weeks. Stick with the basics. Stick with the basics. If you notice the past two weeks, the Cajuns have done that. Uh, Billy Napier's play calling has been exactly to their strengths offensively. Um, One thing I noticed uh, against UAB was in the first half, and I'm going back a little bit because it, it kind of, it's kind of evolved into what I expect tomorrow. If you remember in the first half against UAB, we didn't run the ball that well. Uh, UAB's defense did a great job stuffing, basically stuffing our line to where we couldn't do anything. But that didn't stop Billy from calling run plays and calling stretch plays in the second half. For sure. And we were able to we were able to get it done and wear their defensive line down, wear their front seven down with our rushing game. And we just used our strengths. We used the depth of our running game. And then we were able to kind of, like I said, dink and doink, allow Levi to roll out, allow him to make some plays in the flat. And to me, I felt that, and like I said, going into Texas State, we do that. If we call what we called in the second half against Texas State, we're going to win. But lo and behold, that was the play calling last week. And you saw, I mean, 600 yards of offense. Yep. I really feel like the the expectations going into tomorrow are very similar to Texas State. I think that, our, look, look, right now, I, I think Arkansas State's very similar to Texas State. They've got a good offense that's threatening, mm-hmm. but I don't see much in their defense. Their defense, like Kara said, is not stopping anyone. And well, we're God, coming no, off. They're giving up forty points a game. And we're coming off a week with six hundred yards of offense, and I think the offense is starting to we'll, click. We'll do it again. I think we can do it again. My main thing is, and I've said it before, we just we just got to stick away from the boneheaded mistakes. Yep. You know, fumbling the ball, holding calls, penalties. We got to stay away from that. For and sure. you stay away from the penalties. You limit four, the penalties. Four, four turnovers and eleven penalties for one hundred and twenty-three yards yeah. is unacceptable. Well, it's unacceptable, exactly. And and, and I think if you do that. And that's easily that's easy to no, fix. That's, that's easy to fix. If you if you limit that tomorrow, I mean, and, and look, I expect them to move the football. I expect Arkansas State to, sure. to score on us a little they'll, bit because they'll get theirs. Good. They score thirty points a game. Right, they'll get theirs. But I don't think they can stop us. No. Um, I no. think if our offense continues to do what they've done in the past two games, 
the Cajuns should win based off of just that fact. Um, 42-28. I would say I would say something like that. I'd say some, maybe thirty-eight, twenty-four, something yeah. around there. I, I look the past two weeks, Arkansas State's offense. Looking at the scores, yeah, it's been bad. My jaws dropped last week when I saw that score. It's I'm been like, bad. Ten points at home against Troy. I, I think I, I would say somewhere Cajun should win somewhere around thirty-eight to twenty-four. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my pick. I mean, what about you? I mean, do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm th- yeah I mean, I I agree with everything you're saying. I mean, yeah. Arkansas State's going to get theirs, but they're not going to be able to stop us in the end. <laughs> I, you know, it's crazy, and I know we've everybody wants to talk about everybody's debated about Levi's performance, right? But I tell you, man, these past two games. He looks completely different than what I saw against like a Georgia Southern. In hell, completely he up, different. He put up 330 yards last week. He had a great game. Had but a great if he, game. But if you notice, I feel and maybe it's just me. Do you feel like he's he feels more confident now than he did well, three or four weeks ago? Yeah, and I'm gonna tell you why. They're they're calling plays. Have have you noticed, especially last week? Yeah. They called plays that fit him. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, my, my jaw sure. dropped when I heard the commentator say, designed run. Sure. And w- what what happened when we ran that designed run? He scored. Thank you. But, Matt, you know, the thing that's, is— That's been my point for three years now. And, and another thing is, too, you—, you <laughs> Even and this is another thing I noticed, and then I was critical, and I bring up Georgia Southern because of this. There were a few plays against Georgia Southern, even for design plays, where he would do a play action rollout. He wouldn't throw. He was very hesitant, you know. He and, and, and to open receivers, and right. he would miss them, or he just wouldn't throw. He forced some throws last week, and, and that to me, that's confidence. Yeah, he felt more comfortable, not necessarily forcing throws, but making throws. Have, you know, and and, he, and I think he took it to heart when he said last week going into Texas State, he said, you know, the offense, we haven't been doing what we're expected to do lately. He's like, we haven't really been up to playing up to our standards. He goes, I'm the quarterback. That's on me. Right. And I think he took that to heart. It showed last week because the first few weeks where he would drop back to throw, I'd get a little nervous because I'm like, is he going to throw? Is he going to hold on to the ball? Right. Is he going to start being elusive? Last week when he dropped back, I didn't feel – Uncomfortable. I didn't feel nervous. He made his throws. He was more comfortable. He was more confident. For sure. And this is the perfect time for that to happen. This is where it's crunch time. Yeah. You got no, absolutely. You don't have bye weeks. You've got strictly conference games outside of Central Arkansas. But now's the time where we need to start clicking consistently, consistently, yeah. consistently. And I think you saw it last week. But tomorrow. With Arkansas State coming to town, you know it's going to be. Clean. I mean, they always make it close. They always make it competitive. But if he, if, if they can make a statement tomorrow, and then going into South Al, a team that we're in the race for for the West, right. I, I think going into uh, App State, we're going to be we're going to be rolling. Yeah, no, we should. Be. We're going to be rolling. We should be. Other games around the Sun Belt tomorrow, eleven o'clock on ESPN three. UL Monroe and Georgia State. Monroe zero and seven so far on the <sighs> year. Georgia yeah. State sitting at two and three. The line is currently favoring the Panthers minus eighteen and a half. This is the time for Georgia State to look. I was shocked last week at that fifty-one nothing score at I home. I wouldn't. I thought they would at least give them a game. They're they're I better. Wouldn't. They're a lot better than they're, that score. They're showed. they're they're a better program than that. But man, that just goes to show you how dominant Coastal Carolina is. I think Coastal's starting to click. I think they're really which, starting which, to click. Which is scary that they're clicking <laughs> now. What were they doing the first six games this year? I know. 
I Were know. they still finding themselves? Because if so, that's freaky. I mean, look. They I, might. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> that's that's scary. I mean, they beat the, the if, if, they're, if they're just If they're just now starting to click, they roll App State next week. Well, I just don't roll. I just don't think they were fifty-one points better than Georgia State because Georgia State's improved too. Again, you you heard it here first. Call it a hot take if you want. Yeah. If Coastal Carolina is just now starting to click, they roll over App State. I think they're going to beat App State. Roll over App State. I, I think no, they they don't beat them. They roll over them. I Fourteen mean, points or more. Look, I tell you, man. They they from what I saw last week. And then we and then we've got we got to go to Conway for the conference championship game. No doubt. And, but look, uh, well, they're number fifteen in the country, man. Think about Coastal Carolina is the fifteenth in the nation. That, that's man. like I loved I loved the college game day special last week that they did on Coastal Carolina. the The first line in it was before this season. You wouldn't have known the difference between a Chanticleer and a Chandelier. <laughs> well, I love that. Unless you're a college baseball fan. Well, right? I mean, yeah, but <laughs> but nobody expected football wise. I mean, look, I, no, like they, when when, when coastal people, when coastal joined the Sun Belt in 2017, I said, well, that'll be good for baseball. Some people didn't even but expect. That, no, some people don't even know they're in FBS. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be good for any other sport. I mean, well, let me tell you how much of a parody 2020 is. You know who else is ranked right now? Liberty. Yeah, they're 24th. They just joined they're FCS undefeated. as an independent. That would be like New Mexico State jumping in the top 25. I still, like, I still think Liberty's going to join the Sun Belt in the near future. I would look if the money they have, mm-hmm. the fan base they have, mm-hmm. and look, I know that there's facility a facility that they have. There's a lot of debate right now because they're they are a heavy Christian school, which I don't see a problem with that personally. But you know, I know there's been talks about that. But they bring a they would bring a lot to the table. They got money, they got facilities, yep. they got fan, they got a good fan base. One hundred percent. I mean, I, I don't see I don't see the problem with that. No, not at all. Troy and Georgia Southern will kick off at noon tomorrow, also on ESPN3, both programs coming in at 4-2. and two. Georgia, no, I'm sorry, Troy, currently a three-point favorite. In the I like Troy game. in that one. Their offense is clicking, man. Yep. They are on yep. fire. G- Gunnar Watson's a, a special quarterback. He's <sighs> a special kid. He's a stud. And with, with receivers like Kalen Geiger. Yeah. I mean. I tell you what, their passing attack has improved tremendously since we played them last year. For sure. They are gunning it right now. 2 p.m. on ESPN Plus from beautiful San Marvelous, Texas. Texas State will host App State. Texas State 1 and 7 on the year, App State 4 and 1. App State currently listed as a 20 point favorite. Yeah, they're going to win. And then at 7, ESPNU 3 and 3, South Alabama will play the 6 and 0, number 15 team in the country, Coastal Carolina, Chanticleers. From Brooks Stadium in Conway, Coastal listed as an 18-point favorite. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you straight up, I'm pulling for Coastal. You want that record to that Sun Belt record to to to, to help us out a little bit there. 100%. I mean, look, they're they're in the race for the West, next right next to us. We got them next week. Yeah, I, I, I need I need them on a I need them coming to town on a letdown. Here's the thing: you win if we win. What tomorrow and next week we should clinch the West. We right? do clinch the West. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so we we do clinch. The go West. Sean, go Sean declares. If we, I mean, if we if we win this game and then beat the South next week, we we win the West. There you go. 
Go, sh- go Chanticleers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is no question, right? Yeah, 100%. That is your Sunbelt preview of the scoreboard for this week. Jerry, anything else before we get out of here? No, well, I just want to say, man, it's good to be back. Thanks for having me on. Um, I look forward to tomorrow. Look, weather's going to be good for those of you who can Beautiful. go to the game. I mean, this is perfect fall football weather. Beautiful I know. weather. Not to get political, but with with the, with the chaos that's unfolding right now, whether you're watching the news, watching TV, going to the football game will get your mind off of it for a little yep. while, right? You can go enjoy the game. If you got tickets, enjoy it with your family. If not, go set up the barbecue pit out in this weather. Go go grill. Go go somewhere. Watch the game. Get out the house. Or watch it on your phone while you're at work. Like Watch it on your phone doing. while you're at work. Exactly. There's Just many like ways to watch it with technology now. You can watch the game in any kind of way. So. No, absolutely. Kick off at 11 a.m. on ESPNU. Uh, Dave Neal and DJ Shockley, former Georgia quarterback, will be on the call here at Cajun Field. Um, and then, as always, you can tune in on the flagship ESPN 1420 with Jay Walker G. Broussard, and Cody Juno on the sidelines. That's going to do it for this episode of Rage and Review. We'll be back with a recap of this Arkansas State game and a preview to next week's contest with South Alabama. As always, Cajun Nation, stay safe, be well, and go Cajuns.